What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back. Um, each and every episode is brought to you by All I Need. Please check out allineedskate.com. That's where we host all our YouTube videos. Podcast goes up there. We also have our online skate shop, which uh, if you would like to try an All I Need skateboard, I restock some up on there, so check them out. We got all types of graphics, different sizes are up there. We also have the most epic screen printed t-shirts are up there. We got brand new All I Need shorts for the summertime, some banners. Um, you got socks, the best socks out for sure, man. Make sure to get a six pack of those. Uh, yeah, all types of goodie on the online store. Some breaking news for All I Need. This is my first time telling anyone um, about this. Figured I'd do it on the podcast. Um, Saturday, July 10th at Uxbridge Mass Skate Park, we will be hosting the All I Need Summer Jam Contest. There will be a beginner jam at noon, 35 and over jam at 3 p.m., and advanced division at 5 p.m. Bug and Robbie have been building this epic monster ramp in the middle of the park, so we might do a best trick after the advanced division. Either way, it's going to be epic to see people throw down at Uxbridge. They've never done a skate jam at the park before. I'm stoked that we're going to be able to host it there. It's going to be $50 entry fee, but all the proceeds will go directly to the skate park fund to build more ramps. So I thought that was the win-win. You show up, pay your entry fee, get the jam, shred, maybe win some prizes, and then uh, that money goes directly to uh, the skate park. Uh, your shredding helps build the skate park pretty epic there is limited spaces in the jam so sign up early at allineedskate.com go to the online skate shop there and reserve your spot lock it in that way you know you're in the game right there and you're supporting the park really excited for this jam hope to see you guys there i will be on my mic i will be out there i'm bringing my pa system so we'll have music bumping there's always epic people that shred that park and i will be on the mic I will be announcing, so I'll see you guys out there. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for the All I Need listeners you get 20% off plus free shipping with the code AIN at manscaped.com. If you're a mess downstairs and things are just getting out of control and you don't have the precise tools to just like clean up and feel so fresh and so clean, Manscaped has you covered. No more rusty ass scissors. No more using the buzzer that you use for your head downstairs. You can get yourself a Manscaped lawnmower, and this thing is sleek, it is smooth, easy to handle, on and off, super basic, got your charging port, thing works amazing, zoom, zoom, charges, holds, holds a charge nice, and uh, works excellent. So I would suggest getting one of these so you can get down there, clean up. Check out manscaped.com, use our promo code AIN at checkout. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. And uh, check out some of the ball toner too, man. 
If you're feeling a little rough downstairs, you need, need a little pick-me-up, give a couple squirts of this. You'll be clean, so fresh and so clean, my G's. Now tuning into the All I Need podcast. But uh, I'm just so glad it's skateboarding. It's been the one thing that came to me at the right time. It could have been anything I imagined, but skateboarding was what it was. That's why I love skateboarding to death. That's right when I found skateboarding. Like my friend showed me, and I was like latched onto it because it was the only thing at that time that was really fun and like my skate, and I fell in love with it, you know. Now like this. So, Oop, there we go. Okay, so check it out. That's my keys down there. Oh no! Actually, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's my, uh, that's my, uh, my, my fucking iPod thing, my earpod things. That's the case down. There. Oh, dude, that's that's how my day's going. How you doing today? <laughs> oh my god! Does <laughs> that lift yeah. up? I wonder if that lifts up, bro. I I, I don't even know at, at this point. Um, at this point, I'm like, fuck it. You know what I mean? Uh, I fuck it. I've had worse problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely been in that situation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's a, it's a minor step back. I'll probably get some tonight or some shit. I don't know. It's your, How it's are you, your, though? I'm good, man. Just uh, got some coffee in me, so I'm doing a little better, man. You know? All right. All, All right. right. So, so the way I usually start this is I'll do a little introduction, and then we can just get into it if you're down, man. Okay, sounds good to me. Um, however, however you feel. I'm on yeah, down. it's uh, we can talk about whatever. I kind of like wanted to start at the beginning. And I just want to start with like where you grew up and stuff. But let let me do a little introduction real quick. Okay. All right. So, what's up, everybody? My guest today has had parts in trilogy, uh, ride or die for aesthetics, four and one. He's also put out his own full length video called Minority Report. Um. He has powerful skateboarding and a personality to match it. He also um, has done some writing in Big Brother. Uh, I've read all his, pretty much everything I could find that you wrote. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. My guest, <laughs> my guest today is legendary Clyde Singleton, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, brother. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Just a little, like, I, I set a rule in the beginning, like, so I didn't drink so much coffee. Is like, whenever I podcast, I can have coffee. So I'm doing fucking great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a little too much coffee. My, uh, my, my, my ear pods are in the sewer here in Glockster or whatever the hell I'm at. Dude, you, you said keys at first, and I was like, that's way worse. Yeah, than yeah. <laughs> that's because my brain is just scrambling this morning. I'm like, man, you know what? Some dudes like we can pick up the, the the manhole cover like with the fucking Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm like nah, I'm cool, man. Yeah, I'm cool. So I was like, I don't even think I want them things now. Them things been now. They ain't gonna tell them what's going down there, or living down there. Yo, what you gotta do is summon your inner MacGyver, get a stick, some bubble gum on the end of that bitch, fucking poke it down there. <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> then put them, then put that dirty, put that thing back in your ear, get an earworm. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, it's cool. Okay, so I guess we could start with like, where are you at right now, man? Um, I'm downtown Gloucester. Glass. How do you say it? Glass. Glouchest. Gloucester. Where? What state? Where are we at? I'm in. I'm right up the street from you. I'm in Massachusetts. Oh, Gloucester. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's right. Yeah. We're <laughs> that's so sick, man. What are you doing yeah, up man. here, man? 
a friend of mine, she just had shoulder surgery this past this past Wednesday, I believe. And uh, so I'm here helping her out for like a month. I'm just going to hang out. You know, you've do my to, thing here. You've been to Massachusetts before? Yeah, yeah, I've been up here a long time. I came up here. I don't know if you remember the Strength Unity Tour way yes. back in 90s. Yeah, 96, I believe. Was it Strength Magazine? Yes, it was the first Strength Magazine when it was before I moved to L.A. It was, it was in Ohio. And um, so we did a tour and Jamal, Jamal, a bunch of other guys were on it. And um, I flew, they flew me into Boston and I stayed with Jamal, hung out with him, Vanique and all these guys. I've known Vanique forever. And um, yeah, I just, I came here and stayed and came back on tour with Aesthetics a couple years later. I like this place. It's cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Jamal and uh, Vanique are legends, East Coast legends up here, man. Let's see. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was the last century, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so wild to think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's go back, man. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start with like how you got into skating. What your family upbringing was like. Uh, what, what did your parents think of skating? I mean, I'm not a pretty, you know. I guess for back for back in Jacksonville, I had a pretty normal life. You know that. I mean, I grew up in the north side of Jacksonville. You know, it's, it's obviously a pretty rough area, but growing up, I didn't think it was nothing. I just thought it was, you know, it's just how life was. You know, we had our neighbors, had our friends, and neighbors watched out of everyone, and it was cool. You know, it was real cool. Then I um, started skating around 12 years old, and my neighbor, was uh, he had a Nash execution, I remember. We were just hyped on, like, how colored and nice it looked. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, I, I borrowed it one day going to the bus stop. And I was like, yo, man. I was like, let me see. He's like, he's like yeah, I'm trying this trick called a Tic Tac. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I just jumped on this board. And like, I'd never forget that. Like, I just kept Tic Tacking. Like, I went like three or four bus stops up. I was like, man, this is awesome. And so, yeah, from that point, I was hooked on skateboarding. That was it, man. That's sick. Was there, was there anyone, was there like a skate scene there at all or? I mean, this is the South, dude, you know, so I mean, everyone that skated back then, I mean, even realistically, man, looking back, it's like everyone that skated back in the day rode BMX before that, you know, so it was more of a big BMX community that kind of some transition into skating, some got hurt and were like, yo, this is too much. So, uh, you know, I think it was a combination of we, we were in the South, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't really know much. We, we just knew... The, the rich dudes had the ramps and that's how you had to skateboard, you know? So, um, it was, it, we didn't, it wasn't really a scene, you know, it was like, it wasn't really a scene until free skating came around, you know, unless you were one of them dudes that had the ramps and you were down with them dudes. There was no skate scene. It was just you and your buddies probably skating in some garage or on a, on a, on a driveway or something like that. You know, so it was a, uh, it was a different back then. Yeah. You know? How do you feel about that? Like, do you, do you feel like you you were better off coming up in a skate scene where there was nothing really going on compared to if you started out in a spot where there was just the whole industry, you know? Oh, 1,000%, you know, because it, um, it drives your creativity. You know what I mean? Like, you see stuff and you you think you, you think of things differently. You know, you use your mind a lot differently than when you can actually, we're actually available to have it. You know, like, you, you think of, you think that board slide's like something in Savannah Slammer, you know? So you're just building bigger and better stuff. And you don't know how, to, we don't know how to build stuff. You know, we're building stuff. We think it's, it's the coolest stuff to skate in the world. And it's, uh, 
it's probably some of the worst stuff to skate ever. So, I mean, I think that's what kind of drove a lot of us to be good skateboarders. And you know, we're very, I think we're very fortunate to grow up in that time, to be honest. You know, it's a very fortunate time to, um, there was a lot of creative people and a lot of, we didn't have much to offer and we didn't have much to work with, but what we put out was incredible, you know, like the guys before us and, and even us, you know, it's really incredible to think back, like, man, like we were doing some stuff on skateboards. Like I look at some stuff now. I'm like, there's no way I jumped on that thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like 91, 92, we're like, man, we're charging everything. And, um, you know, you just have to adapt to a lot of things. We didn't have the perfect rail slides and the perfect boxes and the perfect skate parks. And like, if it wasn't wax, we'd just be pissed and go home. Like we had the parking lot and that was it. You know, that was our, that was our universe. You know, yeah. one, 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 one little board slide bar could bring hours of joy. You know, like one parking block off of a curb could bring hours of joy. And I think that's a lot different. You know, when you, when you grow up with that kind of stuff, it's a lot different. It's a lot different than playing an electric guitar and a regular regular guitar. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I, yeah. I started skating in New Hampshire, and there wasn't much of a skate scene there either. But the same thing, man. Like, we just thought whatever we were doing was the best thing we could do. And then we got tuned into magazines and stuff. And we're like, whoa, there's a whole fucking world of people out there that are like, they've been on the shit for a long time, you know? Um, yeah. It's crazy how many great skateboarders have come out of Florida, though, too. It's amazing. So underrated. You know, I mean, it's like, it's really funny because it's uh, it's just one of the most underrated places in skateboarding. You know, it's like almost like, you know, like Jersey's underrated when it comes to hip hop. And, you know, like obviously Boston has a lot of awesome hip hop artists as well. Philly as well. You yeah. know, there's just always, there's always the Mecca, quote unquote. But you think about it from Florida, man, like, the one for Florida, a lot of people wouldn't be doing a lot of stuff with skating. The Ollie wouldn't be around. Rodney Mullen wouldn't be around. You know what I mean? Like, so just those two in general, that's a huge part of skateboarding. You know, like, like that's an insane part of skateboarding. Yeah, and, skateboard, skateboarding wouldn't be what it is without those two. <laughs> period. Yeah, without those two. You know what I mean? And like, those two probably rep Florida. And it's weird. No one really thinks about a lot of that stuff. There's another guy from Florida that, a lot of people will not know, and um, I'm interviewing him later today. And Ron Allen's actually from Jacksonville, Florida. Wow, I didn't know that. He was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, I did. I had a vet going with a friend of mine, and uh, he's like, "Cause I was telling him I was going to do Ron first. I was like, "Yeah, don't tell anyone. It's my buddy I grew up with." And he's like, "Yeah, you know Ron's from Jacksonville." And I was like, "Who told you that blatant lie?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, no. Look, and he found some interview." And I was like, "Dude, you got to be kidding me." <laughs> That's so rad, man. Yeah, it's so cool. So, you know, it's, it has a lot of it has a lot of rich history, you know, from Lance Conklin, Mike Dare. You know, you can just go to Buck Smith, Monty Nolder, Damn. Mark Lake, Chuck Mark Lake, Chuck Dinkins, uh, a lot of the Zorlak guys are from Florida. That's Scott, right, Zorlak. Scott, Stanton, yeah. Scott Stanton's from Florida, you know, like Chris Markovich, Pensacola, Florida. Like it's got it's just, you know, from everywhere. Felix Arguelles from what? Florida, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are like a lot of guys. I don't know if he came to Florida via Brooklyn. Like, I've never really gotten Felix's whole story. Like, I, I do know he spent a lot of time. When I was a kid, I knew him from Florida. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, th I thought he was, he was a, I think he went from Florida to BK. You have to ask him that. I'm not very sure. But yeah. I always consider him a Florida guy, you know. Claim him. That's fine with me, bro. I mean, hey, he's good people. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's move forward a little bit in time. Like you find skateboarding, you're in Florida. It's the skate seems like you're you're discovering skateboarding with all these people. Like how how'd you go through school and like move into like finding out about the industry and skateboarding uh and all the pros and magazines and stuff? Oh, that happened very quickly, you know, as uh because back then it was like Skate shops were kind of a big thing back, you know, like they've always been a big thing, but they were more like the skate shop contest, which is weird now. The skate shops have contests, which I find very strange. You know, it's like they wait for the bigger guys to have the contest, which I think kind of takes away from the essence of skating. You know, it's like the neighborhood contest and those kind of things. That's 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 a breeding ground. That's that is your social networking right there. You know, you get down with those guys from cross town and the other shop. And, you guys are skating together. That's how I met Kane and Neil and all those guys. And, you know, like we all got together and we like, you know, we battled it out and we were all cool. You know, we were all cool. It wasn't like, there's no envy, no beef. We were all just like, oh, these, you know, it was like, oh, these guys skate too. And we all linked up. And that's probably what's really missing from skating right now. You know, that's what, that's where a lot of, you see a lot of people and like, y'all go and tour with all these shops and they have beef with like other shops. And so it's like, dog, y'all should all be working together. Because when I was a kid, that was that's what was up, you know. Like the shops, the shops were our our hub to meet people and to see the new magazines. And like you go up to the shop, you kick it up there for a couple of hours with your friends, and it was dope, you know. Like you're all looking at the magazine together. It's like eighty y'all hunched over a magazine, and like you're all gonna go skating, and like that's dope, you know. And like now people are too cool for that, and that's what got me into skateboarding is going to the skate shop and going to the local contest. And, Cause if not for that, like I wouldn't have known anything about a skate scene. You know, I probably would have given it up just skating by myself and not having people to like see and progress off of and see different styles, like right in person, not, not on video or not anything, you know, it's like you see it right there in, in real time and you hear about those guys and you're like, that's what gets you into skating a lot more, you know? And like, it's not like Instagram now. You're like, Oh, look at this video. It's like, you see someone like I remember seeing Kane Gale for the first time. I was like, yo, that dude's good. I was yeah. like, yo, that dude's a beast, you know, and like it pushed me, you know, and like we push each other, and that's how skating, you know, he introduced me to other people. We start going out of town to contest. He hooked me up with this surf shop way at the beach. I lived inland. I've never been surfing in my life. Skating for a surf shop just because of Kane. And you know, I was like, that's that's kind of my foundation of skating was the skate shops. And that's where I met everyone. The skate, the local skate contest was like everything. We're, we're, everything. We're, we're doomed if skate shops don't carry forward just because that's like authentic skateboarders doing it. Like someone who's willing to dedicate their life to like figure out a way to run a skate shop, which isn't whole, most likely isn't always the most profitable. It's kind of a grind, you know, especially if you're doing it in some small town or you're trying to develop a, community of people like but that is you're so right about that that's where you get to see skateboarding firsthand because watching it online like you're saying is seeing it in person is like a whole nother vibe like you just feel it way more so i totally agree with that man skate shops are sacred yes they are they're like you know they're the last they're the last almost they're almost the last of the mohicans in a real way but um what's cool i mean it's just kind of different now because it's strange if you think about it People would be pissed off if the shoe store sold skateboards. You know what I mean? But the skate shop, the skate shop operates almost like a shoe store. And people like, 
they condone it almost, you know, and it's like, but if it were the other way around, people would be losing their shit, you know, yeah. because when I was a kid, man, there was a couple of shops in the malls that had, you know, life speech stuff and said, people, oh man, fucking corny, I'm stupid, you know, and like, even, even when like dudes like CCS, man, when everyone's freaking out, CCS made their own stuff and, you know, like now that's just a thing, that's a, that's a normal thing, you know, it's like, the skateboards are secondhand. The skate, the skate community is almost secondhand. You know, and that's why it comes back to like having local contests and having local events and getting skateboards, getting the skateboards involved. Like, if you can get a bunch of people to get up outside of your your store and line up for some shoes, you should be able to get those same people to come to a skateboard event. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and that's where the divide is right there. And a lot of people just don't want to acknowledge that. And that's. That's going to be a, a, a kind of hard step going forward. There's a lot of good skate shops doing a lot of good things right now. You know, and there's there's just a lot that are you know they're very they're literally living off just selling shoes, and that's a shoe store. You know, yeah. what I'm saying like like that's literally a shoe store. There's no getting around. It's a shoe store that sells some skateboard stuff, and you know, and it's, it's, it's like, a weird dichotomy. Yeah, it's like uh, when when things when skateboard gets popular, everybody wants to get into it, whether they skated for six months or. 17 years and it's like those dudes who only been skating for a year but have the resources to open up a shop or whatever and they kind of just like uh culture vultures you know they use skating as a way to sell some other shit you know and it's like oh yeah or or to make themselves more important in the in the skateboard community you know you see that a lot and you know a lot of these guys remember when we were kids man i'm not you're probably a little younger than me but i'm 38 okay okay all right you're 10 years younger than me um there's a, no one gave a fuck who worked at the shop when we grew up. You know what I mean? It was like some old dude that looked like he owned a fucking lumber shop. And like, <laughs> no one cared who worked at the shop. The dude that worked at the shop did not care about having a new pair of airwalks on and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that was just out the window. You know what I mean? Like, you, you wouldn't even catch that dude in there talking to you about price. And he'd be like, hey, dog, $54 or beat it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't gonna be haggling with some dude about some shoes or arguing with some dude about some raffle. And it's like, you guys just, it's its weird because they've let the customer control them. You know what I mean? It's like, like they've let the consumer control the market. And that's when, that's when it becomes dangerous. You know, it's the same thing, not to go off track, but that's the same thing that happened with service industry. They just yeah. let the, they let the consumer run the market. And then next thing you know, it's like, they're telling you what to cook and all that. And those same people ain't coming back all the time. I mean, that's not, that's not your bread and butter. You ran your bread and butter off trying to appease a couple of people. And that's what, you know, these skate shops are kind of doing that right now. Not, And I'm not speaking on anyone in general. And it just seems to be a general theme that, you know, a lot of people don't rely on skateboards to run a skateboard shop. And that's yeah. ass backwards. You know what I mean? It's really ass backwards. I, I, agree <laughs> with, I agree with that. Like you see that just not outside the skateboard world too. You see that like the consumers are kind of dictating everything, which sounds like a good thing. But then when, all these businesses are catering to a million different consumers. They don't actually have an identity. They're not actually striving. Like same with skating. Like if you have a skate brand and you're trying to listen to every Tom, Dick and Harry out there, instead of being self-driven and like focusing on skateboarding, the act of skateboarding, and you're just letting all these people tell you how to run your brand or how to run your shop. It's like, you're going to be a slave to the numbers, you know, cause you're going to be like, we need to do this and that. And you're just following the numbers yeah. instead of, following the passion that actually got you to sacrifice everything to get to that point to open up the shop and to like 
because that passion is going to keep it open for, tw- you know, like as well as I know that it's a long-term mission. You're going to like, you get into skating and you're like, I'm going to build something over 20 years and you're going to gain your style as you go. Cause those hours and stuff, it's the same with like building a, a shop or a business or a community. It's a long-term thing and you get in it. And the thing that drives you is that fire, that passion for the thing you love, not necessarily the, the highs and the lows, you know, cause you're going to have highs. And then if you're in it long, the lows are going to come and hopefully the thing you love carries you through the lows to the highs. People get in and they're just chasing the money. They, they bail out the second the low comes, you know, we've seen that multiple times. Yep. And I, I mean, it's, it's sort of like being in a weird abusive relationship. Perfect. I mean, it, I mean, you got to think about it. It's like, it's like almost like when um, say like you get a really pretty girl. You know yeah. I mean, and you're like, man, I got this pretty girl. And the pretty girl's a skate shop. And, um, <laughs> and the pretty girl's like, I need another ring. She's like, well, I like this dress too. And I like this dress. Then when all of a sudden when you can't get that pretty girl or dress, she's going to, you're going to be sharing that girl with other people, you know? And it's like, and that's Fuck. literally, the, that's, that's, <laughs> that's literally the story of skate shop. Like they just can't figure it out. It's like, they're an abusive relationship with the consumer. And it's like, when the consumer starts controlling the relationship, that's a problem. And a lot of people got to think it's like, this ain't Burger King dog. Like you can't have it your way everywhere you go, unless you're as big as Burger King, you know? And a lot of these guys also, as you speak about the passion, they don't know any passion. They don't know what it's like to, to try something over and over and over until you actually get it. You know, and like that's passion. That's not like people call that crazy. That's not that's crazy if 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 you're dealing with a chick. Yeah, you know I mean, you keep trying over and over and over, and you're like, this must be. I'm I'm an idiot. She just has nothing to do with it. With skateboarding, there's always an outcome. You keep trying over and you keep trying that trick. You keep trying that trick, and then bam, you get it, and then. Your passion is what gets you there, not the, the, because you know how to do the trick. You know how to ride away from the trick. You know what it goes into the trick. But your passion of getting the trick and just getting it how you want it to and how you feel, people don't know that fear. You know, there's no instant gratification. Like, oh, man, look, I got a building and it's got some stuff in it. And like, that's it. And then when people don't come around and hug you, you're like, well, what did I do wrong? And, it, and <laughs> it's, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's just, a, it's a vicious cycle and a terrible relationship to have with yourself. <laughs> And with the customer, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like most people are scared to dictate, to, to dictate their content or how they feel. And I think that's very important. You know, a lot of people lose. I think Ed Timbleton's great with that. You know, I yeah. think he is awesome. Like he doesn't, he doesn't stretch for nobody. And like, like, I think it's great. He's the smartest businessman I know. He's like, the dude draws a turtle on a napkin and he's like, and this is like 30 years. That's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, and like, just because he believes in himself and like, he believes in his passion. He's never bent for anyone. For no one. He's like, you know, I'm trying like Ed Templeton. I don't give a shit. You know, and like, a lot of people just don't feel that. They're like, well, man, Supreme's doing good. I'm going to do like a little Supreme type thing. Start folding my shirts up. And then people come in, unfold the shirt. They're like, man, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah it's like uh for a lot of people that get into it it's like uh all about marketing and there's like a strategy and it's not like for ed or someone like that it's just like hey this is what i do this is my art which i am my art and this like i'm gonna just keep going and try to figure it out it's not like a they're not trying to trick people into consuming it's just making authentic stuff you know it's amazing yes, he's had an identity before before he became that and i think that's very important you know like I was the same guy that you were, you know, everyone sees now besides the drinking, 
I was the same guy when I was young. You can ask anyone in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade with. I was loud, brass, funny. You know, it was just like I'd always joke with people, super like big teddy bear. But I was just always the same person. So when I, when skating and all this stuff came out, I was like, I just had to be me. You know, I just really had to focus on being myself. And now that I've quit drinking, I'm focused on being a better person, a better version of myself, which is great. I like Clyde 2.0 a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to sponsorship world. Like, when did you yeah. get, when did you realize you were like, good enough like how did that happen and getting into videos and magazines like take me through that story a bit i don't you know that's a uh because that's something <laughs> that's something um that's something that like you have to pursue a little bit you know you have to especially coming out of jacksonville well i think what you know like uh, fortunately for me and unfortunately for me there weren't very many black skaters so <laughs> that kind of uh you know like and also just, you know, I was just really talent driven. You know, I was very, very talent driven. And, you know, all the guys around me, they were just really good. And we weren't really focused on getting sponsored. We were just focused on not having to buy skateboard stuff. Yeah. You know, like that was our main goal. We were like, dude, because we didn't know where it was going to take us. You know, we all had, we were, we were realistic. We all had realistic parents, you know, like, hey, you guys know, like, that's a uh, way out in California. And, you know, I mean, like, we just, and it wasn't like they were talking down to us. They were just more protective of us. Like, don't get yourself too excited about something that you might let yourself down for. You know, we a lot of us kept pushing, you know, and that's, I think, uh, what what really got me into it was, I would say probably Kane and those guys. And John Montessi was a big help in the very beginning, too. Dude, and, Montessi, uh, hell yeah. Yeah, he, uh, you know, I remember all those guys came and stayed. Mark Oblo was actually the first guy that ever sponsored me, like put me in a magazine and stuff like that. So before that, before that, yeah, I had like sales rep guys giving me stuff like Zorlak and Deadbolt used to give me some stuff. Uh, GNS would give me some stuff. Other than that, just skate shops, you know, I'd go to contests and win some stuff here and there. And other than that, man, I just had, you know, just had to hustle and get boards like everyone else. Like we'd be trading one shoe for the other, like everyone else, dude, you know, like, it just happened. I just stuck with the, I stuck with my dudes. Yeah. Stuck with Kane and them dudes, you know, and that's, it worked out. It's a weird balancing act when you're like, really, when you're at like your prime and you're skating and you're developing, you're getting good. And then your time is like, you're working a job and you're like, I really wish I could just like put my all into this and like create video parts and magazines. And it's like a weird bet. That's half the drive for a sponsor is so you can get that free time from like backbreaking labor so you can actually indulge a little bit in your in your art and like create those parts that you you dream about doing you know so having a sponsor helps in that sense yeah and um and then a lot of times too you know we were just like i said we were very grateful for what we had you know like i remember chugging huge chunks back on my board and like <laughs> putting like rat nuts in my tail just keep my tail apart just so i could go skating so like that kind of stuff builds a lot of character, you know, and it's like, that's the stuff you would use to get to the next point. You know, it's like, we, I just, that's what you felt like you, you had to use that. You know, our parents can afford skateboard. Skateboarding was not a sport for, for people without money. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't understand that. Like the eighties and all that, the, that it was not made for people without money, man. Like you had to have money to have the ramp to even have the magazines and stuff, you know? And so like, 
parents, our parents were regular working class people, man. My mom worked at Popeye's, you know, she worked doubles every day and she became manager, you know, when I was a kid and ended up owning her own one. But wow. we didn't have money for that kind of stuff. You know, she's a single mom of two kids and they were going to school and like, we want all the cool stuff and it, it just wasn't very attainable, you know? So we just had to do with what we had. And, you know, and luckily we had good friends around and, you know, it's getting them so different, man. You know, like, like, we had, we had good friends. It was like, I always tell people, we built the ramp together, we skate the ramp together, we eat around, we eat at the ramp together, and we, you know, we walk each other home at night together. So we all made sure, like, if one person had a raggedy board, we, we, we'd all just make sure some, you know, I got an old board here and there, let's get the tail, get put together for them, or, you know, it was, that was just a very important part of it. Yeah. A very important part of my upbringing, and getting me sponsored and stuff like that so yeah i think i was around 15 16 when i first got sponsored started skating when i was 12 it's good so to come really it, quick it's good to come into it from that angle because if you're just grinding it out and you're shoegooing everything and you're making shit last and then you get the opportunity for someone sending you some boxes or sending you on a trip it's like you're definitely not going to take it for granted because you know you know back to struggle street you know like uh <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> Struggle Street is a real thing, my man. Like, oh, I know, it's so man. funny. I, I still, to this day, brother, I, uh, I still to this day, like, I get huge boxes of stuff, and I'm like, I just be looking at my friends. I'm like, what do they think I'm gonna do with all of this stuff? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like I'm a regular, old, I'm a regular old dude, man. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the type of dude to switch my wheels out every three, four days, like. I'm a regular old dude, man. I grew up skating like everybody else. Like I might switch my board up if I, you know, if I feel it's a little soggy, but I pass it off to someone. Yeah. But it's like I'm, I wear the same shirts for. Yeah, I'm like I'm a regular old dude, man. Like I yeah. get these huge boxes, and I'm like, I didn't grow up like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I feel you, man. That's, that's real. You know, it's like it's not that you don't appreciate it, but I usually pass it around to my friends, but. Nine times out of ten, you can ask anybody who hangs out with me, man. I think it's from just the way I grew up. It's like I'm I'm thankful for what I do got. And you know, and if I do get, you know, if I do get a lot more, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. But um I didn't grow up like that, you know, and I, that doesn't having a bunch of stuff does not define me. You know, I'd rather pass it around and we can all go skate and get some cool stuff. You know, that's how it was when I was a kid. And Kane used to hook me up with boards, like. We all, dude. We are. We were always all cool. You know, Kane, it was a great Kane Gale's thing. Kane Gale's so good, dude. I remember watching his clips and just seeing what he was doing, and it's very cool. Was he? What's dude. the tie? What was the tie with Kane? Who was he riding for or working for at that time? Back then. I mean, it's funny, but <laughs> he's gonna hate me for telling y'all this. Guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. I like oh, this. <clears throat> yeah, Kane's Kane's gonna be pissed when I tell you, but don't be pissed, Kane. Kane is uh. <laughs> When I first met Kane, oh my God. What's going on? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I can see this ladies. I can see these I can see these ladies uh duty chopper. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but Kane uh Kane fucking um when I first met him, Kane worked at a roller rake. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. <laughs> I mean, I knew when we were kids, but then Kane had the little brown. I think it was a Corolla or something. It was like a little 88 Corolla. It was, it was, we thought it was the greatest thing in the world. But Kane worked at his roller rink. So um, we don't have to wait for Kane to get out of work. He got a roller rink shirt on. Like, I think he has footage in it. So, yeah. 
<laughs> he's, he's good with the Lysol. So pissed. He's gonna be so pissed. Right? He was probably yeah, nice with the Lysol, like spraying the skates after. <laughs> I, I think he could do all like the rubber legged and all that. He was, he was like, remember that movie? With, remember the movie with Ti? I think yeah. K was like the white Ti. He was like the dude <laughs> in, the, in the roller. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that was my dude, though, man. Kane, uh, Kane, uh, and Kane skated for the shop called Sunrise Surf Shop, and um, you know, Kane hooked it up. You know, he always, we'd always get a contest out of town together, Daytona down in Tampa, you know, like all these AM and FASO contests. And that was just my dude, you know, and um, I'd go out to the beach and his mom would, his mom, his mom loved me. His, uh, rest in peace. His mother was great, man. And um, she'd be like, you want some cookies? I'd be like, hell yeah, I want some cookies. I used to love going to Kane's house. He always had a good snacks and his mom loved me. Shout out. <laughs> that was my dude back then, man. So uh, yeah, that was, what was up? Yeah, oh, sorry. No, that's all good. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's sick. Kane's a legend too, man. That's so sick. Yes, he is. He is a Jacksonville, Florida, and just a skateboarding legend, man. Like a lot of people forget, like Kane was one of them dudes. Was like, he was nice. He was, he was, he was dual lateral. He was good in the streets and respected in the streets. And he was a good contest skater, which is that's from the nineties, man. There wasn't a lot of dudes that was, you know, like real nice at both and just like consistently nice at both for a while and Kane was one of them dudes you know he was Kane was up there he was one of the top 10 dudes for a minute no, no if ands or buts like yeah. yeah Kane was one of the best skateboarders like he was one of them dudes and um he was one of them guys and got tapped he was a dude he was on DC and all that stuff like yeah he wasn't some and Kane wasn't some like oh fly by night dude it's like Kane was Kane was the truth man and you know he did a lot for him with skating that's that's my brother right there. I love that guy. Well, so like I'm 10 years younger than you. So growing up, man, I was watching you and Kane and like studying those videos and seeing everything you guys were doing. And like that was a huge influence on me. So definitely, definitely he was killing it. You know, he had a long yeah, run, too. You. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He, you know, he's doing uh, I guess he's doing like he's old, he's old Kung Fu Kane now. <laughs> like, yeah, Hong Kong Fu Kane. Sick. Like, uh, he's, he's doing I think he's a UFC dude. I might want to quit joking. Kane might fold me up. Yo, for real. He's <laughs> hey, gonna bring up I'm the serious. roller skating. He's like that roller skating yeah. shit, Clyde. Fucking lock yeah. you up, choke you out break, real quick. <laughs> break my clavicle. Be looking real, real, real soft in these streets. <laughs> uh, that makes sense to me that he's into martial arts because that kind of ties into like the same discipline as skating. You know, you gotta like repetition, <laughs> figure it out. Like, I feel like he's got it, bro. <laughs> I wonder if he can. He probably do both now. He could yeah. probably like he, he could probably do like like some UFC like roller skating. That'd be dope. Damn, you might have just made something new right there. That sounds that's like what I'm saying. I could be I could be the host like when Snoop Dogg was on the UFC. <laughs> That'd be sick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how do we get out of Florida? Where where do where do we go from Florida? Florida, um, I actually jumped in a car with I jumped in a car. Well, the first time I went to California, I went with my buddy Robert Camp, Bear Hughes, and we picked up James Riff on the way. <laughs> James Riff was sick, dude. Uh, he used to write for DNA, right? James Riff back yes, then. Yes. James Riff lived in Jacksonville for a bit. He was, oh. he was another guy skating with that way back in the day. Cairo, there's a lot of people from Jacksonville, man. Cairo Foster from Jacksonville. What? Like, there's a lot of dudes. Yeah, dude, there's a lot of dudes from Jacksonville that people just don't don't put two and two together but it's it's very funny but uh it was me james it was me uh 
James Ruff, my buddy. We picked up James at Skate Park of Houston. This is before it shut down, the old blue one. Picked him up. He was living in the he was living in the back, something his own musty room in the back. So I picked him up and we dropped him off somewhere in San Diego. And I think he just became DNA dude after that. Like, well, like years after that. But uh but him and uh then me and Bear and my buddy Robert, we all went up to San Jose and um Bear knew some chick. You know, that was my first time in, I think it was in 92. I'd, I'd still skated for, at the time, I still skated for Acme. And oh. I'd went out there and, uh, yeah, I'd went out there and stayed in San Jose. And then somehow I linked up with Jamie Thomas and them. And, um, yeah, that was the time I drove them. I linked up with Jamie Thomas and those guys and that stuff. And Drake Joes and all those guys. And that's pretty much what, like, you know, they... Like, that's pretty much how it went down. I remember all those guys turned around and, and, and uh, from Jacksonville, and I was like, "Fuck that, I'm staying." I just said, "Stay, I'm staying, dude." I was like, "I'm not." I was like, "I came out here for a reason." Yeah. So all those guys went, and I just stayed, and yeah, it worked out, man. You know, I slept in Mike Santa Rosa's closet for a while. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, but I, I did. So I did some. I had, I had a rough thing. It was rough, you know. But um, I stuck it out, dude. You know, I stuck it out. That's all you had to do. Did you I find really, did, did you find a job or were you just hustling that time? I was pretty much just like, dude, I I remember staying at Caesar Singh's house. Him and uh what's that little dude's name look like Jason Dill? Um um skated for uh Sage Francis or Sage something. Hmm. His name little dude skated for uh for he skated for Santa Cruz. His name was Sage something, but he lived with uh he lived with Caesar Singh. I remember staying at those guys' house and I had like 10 bucks to my name or something. And, I remember, and like, I went and bought like a two liter soda, bag of potatoes and like something. That's literally all I borrowed money from my mom. Like I'd call my mommy and like, yeah, I got to get a little bit of money. And every once in a while I'd try to flip some boards and yeah, man, I just roughed it out, dude. Stayed with the TSA guys. Those guys took good care of me. And you know, I just had some good friends back then. It really looked out for me. I had little to nothing would just skate, just skate my heart out, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. Hopefully one day it was. I was just like, man. Hopefully one day, and yeah. Then eventually I ended up going home, and Mark Abo was my team manager on Acme, and he had quit. This is around the ninety three, ninety three Munster, ninety three or ninety four Munster. I can't remember which one, but before before the Munster contest, I remember it was about a year before. He's like, man, I want to introduce you to Kareem Campbell. He's like, he's like, Kareem, I'll hook you up, and I was just like. Really? You're like Kareem? Like, yeah, man. He's like, Kareem, I'll hook you up, man. He's like, man, you got he's like, you guys get along great. And I was like, I thought the dude was tripping. You know, I was like, what? And sure enough, man, like I ended up in Munster in ninety, is it ninety-three, I think, and my first pro contest. Is it ninety-three or ninety-four? And Mark walked me up, introduced me to Kareem. And you know, Kareem's like, all right, I'll take your number. And then he just whisked off into Kareem world. I was just like, whoa, that's crazy. Kareem just talked to me in front of like you know, like what fifty thousand people there. So this is a crazy contest. This contest is crazy. Like, like yeah, like, like 20, 20, 30,000 people in the crowd. I'm like, yo, uh, you know, this is my first pro contest too, and I'm in Germany. I'm like talking to Kareem about possibly getting off the company that got me there. <laughs> so wild. yeah, so I mean, yeah, so um, I got back and uh, and and I was just sitting in my house, man, fucking, and um, I'm sorry, Rodney Mullins just gave me a call one day. Wow. Like, my, 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 uh, my, I remember my niece, she's like, hey, 
And he's some man named Rodney on the phone. That's, that's, I was like, who? He's like, some man named Rodney on the phone. And I was like, all right. So uh picked it up and it was Rodney talking. And I was like, he's like, yeah, and it was a Venice contest. He's like, yeah, Kareem, we want to fly you out. All these guys want to meet you. Possibly, you know, check out, put you on the world team. And I was like, what? So, like, not even a week later, I was off to a plane to L.A., took, a, took like, a bus or a shuttle to Venice and got dropped off in the craziest neighborhood and just skated around. This is, this is like, this is like 94? I'm probably sure, like, 94 or some shit, maybe, top of 95? I was in Venice in the hood. These dudes just dropped me. Some some dude just dropped me because I didn't know where I was going. And um, I skated around with all my bags, and I kept asking people, like, yeah, I heard this from skateboard contest. And it was a... Uh, the one where Kareem's doing a big backside flip on the hip, and there's a car there too. Um, but all those dudes were there. All those dudes were there, like Pecky, Joey. I just remember walking up being like, yo, what? I mean, because at this point, I was a pro skater, but you know, I was I was proactive. You know, I'll be honest with you, I was proactive, and they didn't do shit for me. You know what I'm saying? Like they they really didn't do nothing for me. You know, after Mark left, it was just like it was Nothing. like entitled only. You know, I mean, it was I, when Mar- I mean, literally, I'd go in and get some clothes and some boards, but nothing crazy, you know. And like, I was pro for all of them companies. For it was Acme, uh, it was Acme. What were the wheels? Formula One and uh, Standard Trucks. Pro for all three of them. Wow. Didn't get nothing. Never got yeah. nothing. You know, I was like. And then I was trying to flip the shit, and people weren't really like trying to see that shit. And I didn't really, you know, I'm just like, I'm like, hey, Bob, I'm like, hey, dog, I got some, I got some trucks, some standard trucks. Catch me, look at me, like, you can keep them shits. <laughs> They're like, that's so, the uh, standard shit. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So I didn't really know, you know, I was just like a kid, and like, you know, I was just happy to be getting stuff. And, you know, it didn't blind on to, to after a while, you know, I was staying at my mom's house, I'm like 18, like, they're like hustling, like, you know, I'm just like, what the hell? And like, all my friends that are pro, I'm like, damn, these dudes are traveling, getting money. And like, what the hell? And I'm like, begging for money to go to a contest in Philly, and like the one in Newburgh. And like, and luckily, uh, Paul Yurk and and um, Jeff Reeves. Paul Yurk was also my teammate. I believe Jeff Reeves rode for Funnel One. But uh, Paul, we all made it to the NSA finals. So what we did is we went to Love Park contest, and then we went to Newburgh uh, a little bit after that. And then after that, we went to NSA finals. And I rode in the back of a three-door, what are those fucking cars? A Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I laid I laid in the back of a three-door Saturn <laughs> and rode across America to get to California. <laughs> And went to the NSA finals, and from that point, I kind of stayed out there. Yeah, and that's and that's where everything kind of took off. Yeah, you know, there was like a there's like a weird window between the Kareem and and uh, an NSA thing. So there was like I think the NSA thing happened a little before Kareem, and I was still you know I was obviously still on Acme at the time. So the Munster contest was that next summer. So that would have been ninety. Either ninety four. It's so long ago, man. I feel yeah. like that. I feel like I'm like talking about Vietnam and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, damn, man. I feel bad for like all the OG OG dudes trying to remember stuff. I'm like, damn, uh, dude. You know them dudes on rock their heads on like many of them hit their coconut like fifty times on on board slides and fucking backyard pools. So <laughs> you know, I 
I'm trying to remember just based off what I think. And I'm like, man, like, you know, but um, yeah, around 90, 94 was when I officially cut down in, in California. And, you know, I've been out there once before, like I said, but it didn't really work out. Then I went back out and um, kind of stayed out with the TSA guys. And, you know, I was sleeping in the warehouse. And, and then Kareem called me one day, just like out of nowhere. Like, yo, man, I, he called the dude from TSA. I don't know how he found me. He, somehow that dude could always find me. He's like, hey, man, I want you to come up tomorrow. And uh, the TSA dudes were all psyched. We were all hyped. You know, we were in a van. And like, we were all psyched. You know, it was like, you know, just thinking back on that shit. It just, it, 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 it gets me, like, inside. Cause we were, like, all kids, you know. And, like, it was just an awesome time to be alive, you know. And, like, all your friends are in the van. And they're just all hyped for you. And they're like, yeah, man. You fucking, yeah. They're like, you fucking did it. Yeah, like, they're, like, hyped. Like, you're going to meet Kareem. And, like. And like this, like Mike Judd and all the guys, and like, dude, it's just, it, it seriously, it kind of gets to me. Like, it's awesome to just remember that, you know. Like, I always remember that, like, always, no matter what. And um, they dropped me off, and everybody hugged me up, and Kareem and them dudes pulled up, and the rest is history, dude. That's you know, the like, dude. that's the vibes I get from that. Is like the skaters are kind of running the mat. But... Water for you. Thank you, man. Oh hell yeah! Thank you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Hey, uh, that was kind of the vibes I get when you get to like World and Kareem at that time is like the skaters are kind of running the crazy house at that time. Is that kind of what was going on? It was like all you guys were kind of dictating what was going on. I mean, not really. They just had a lot of respect for us. You know what I mean? Like they just they weren't like the, you know, it's like it's a different thing dealing with, uh, you know, a lot of those guys that were working there, you know. The, the 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 guys that skated the freestyle skaters and shit, you know, like Pierre and you know Frank and Rodney, obviously, and and Steve. Those guys were always different than the vert guys, you know. Like so, like they understood us a lot more because they were always the outcast. So they they, the you know, like a lot of them guys just didn't understand us. They didn't they didn't they didn't feel the need to understand us because they didn't have to grow up around us. They didn't have to be around us unless they wanted to pay us. You know what I mean? And like. They didn't care to, they didn't, they don't, they didn't care about us. They cared about our talent and that's it, you know? And like guys like those guys, they had more in common with us, even like, so even if they didn't care about us, they knew where we were coming from, you know what I mean? And that, and, and that in itself is what sets guys like Rodney and Rocco and those guys apart from these people, because they knew, they knew what it was like to be an outcast, you know, like people didn't like them for no reason. You know, yeah. and like, and it was like they were almost being bullied on skateboards. You know what I mean? And and it's funny to think back on because um, they ended up bullying the bullies, which I thought was great. You know, I think I think that's a, the most remarkable story of of World Industries and of Steve and all those guys is they ended up like they got the last laugh. You know what I mean? And, and like that's a very important that's that's a very important tale that a lot of people don't understand out of that because those guys were getting bullied those guys were like made fun of and you know act, they weren't as cool and that that's lame bullying is lame and like that that's you know it's it's not gatekeeping that is like you know like that's just not acknowledging them as skateboarders almost you know and like those guys went through that and like so they knew what it was like for a bunch of street skaters to come around and not 
and and you know we were like we were the we were the underlings we were the outcasts of the skateboard world you know we were the guys that they would have just picked up and thrown away and replaced us but yeah. steve and those guys were like no how about this fuck you and like i like the way that he t- all those guys before me man like i never in my life thought i would have ended up on one-on-one dude like that's never in my entire life you know i grew up watching all these videos and studying it like you know, I can tell you every trick. I can tell you where the music hits. Like, I was such a skateboard nerd growing up. And and just to even fathom that was like, I just would have never thought I'd be on that team. You know, like, never in my wildest dreams would have ever thought, like, yeah, one day, you know, I'd be living with Nottis and yeah. be on one-on-one. And that never, ever in my life. And, and it happened, you know, and it just, and it just happened organically. And those guys are they understood us so with that it made us feel a lot more comfortable in expressing ourselves on the skateboard and you know and it wasn't as wild as you think it was you know a lot of us were just there was a you know there's a lot of stuff I, i'm just not going to speak on so, so, <laughs> you know there's a lot of stuff i just feel like i don't i don't want to be the guy that's snitching on stuff you know it's like you know there's a lot of stuff it went both ways you know like us getting a lot of products and that went that went both ways you know yeah. like it wasn't it wasn't just so shut and closed as a lot of people think. We weren't just we weren't just running up in some multi million dollar business grabbing a bunch of stuff and no one knew. And like, you know, like we, they were just making so much stuff. You know, it was like almost like they were making a killing on skateboarding, you know? So it was like us grabbing like twenty, thirty boards, that's nothing to them. You yeah, know what I mean? That's like and like you're yeah. the and the skaters are the heartbeat of the whole plan, you know. It's like if you support those dudes, they're gonna be the biggest mouthpieces and their footage and everything's gonna continue to push the brand and sell the stuff, you know. So it makes sense, you know. I mean, in a lot of ways too, it's like, you know, we were getting we were getting money, we were getting paid, but and and like we were well taken care of, you know. Like when I got down with Nottis and those guys, they, the first thing Nottis did was cut me a check. Hell you yeah. know what I mean? I can't say that for like you know, I, I, I cannot say that about, about Jim Gray at Acme. I don't think he ever cut me one check. I, I know he did never cut me one check. You know, so it's like, if he takes his personal, oh, well, that's on him. You know, it's like, just do right. Just do right the first time. You don't got to have people talking about you like that. And, you know, Nottis did right by me. And Sal did right by me. All these guys did right by me. And, like, I'm not hurt by it, but it's just, it's the truth of things. And And going back to world, it was... You know, getting that much stuff wasn't nothing. You know, we were we had to pay rent. We had to like, you know, we had weed habits. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? like, hey, hey, all that weed wasn't gonna buy itself in the minutes videos and the one on one shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> all, hey, all the all the all the, all the chip phones weren't gonna buy themselves. You know what I mean? So like, there's a life to you know, there's a lifestyle wage and a living wage, and we had the lifestyle wage down to a pack, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good times, you know, and like, you know, like a lot of before I even got on, you know, Kareem really took care of me for like a year, you know. He and if he wasn't taking care of me, he would. It was funny. He would like put me on a train and send me down to Deerdicks. It was like they were like my surrogate parents, you know. What I mean, it was like. Like one would drop me off and another drop me off, and they'd be like, they check up on me, and it was cool, you know. Like they, they really. They wanted the best for me, you know, yeah. and, and thinking back, they, they really, really wanted the best for me. And like, you know, I did a lot of knucklehead shit. You know, we all did, but you know, I, I, did, I can't thank both of them guys enough. They did so much for me in skateboarding. Like, 
Yeah. I can't even begin to thank Dyrdek or or Kareem enough, you know, and it, and it's kind of an unspoken thing, you know. Like I, I last time I was out in Cali, like I went by Rob, shot pool, and you know, it's just like I don't feel like I need to be like, hey man, Rob's my buddy or Kareem's I like, you know, like I give them their props and like we know what's up and that's all that matters to me. You know, I think that's what's most important is I don't have to show off my friends and my friendship. It's a, it's amazing that those dudes like put in the work and built their identity and chased what they wanted. And then they actually helped other people out. That's what makes them legendary, you know, as they, they yes. help the next. So we need those dudes. Yes. And they did a, you know, and it's, I mean, there was times when, man, there was times there were probably was like 10 or 12 people staying up in Deirdre's crib, you know, and this, and this wasn't some old dirty ass, like, this wasn't Newell House. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> no disrespect, no disrespect to my people at Newell, but this is like some, this is some prime real estate down, down in Pacific Beach. You know what I mean? Like right on the beach, two-story condo, real nice, big screen. We had, we had the Sega Genesis hockey. Like, you know, we were living it up, man. And like, those, and just to think like that, it's like a lot of guys ain't like that, you know? And um, they're not, man. You know, I think the, what, you know what I think's really cool about that, and uh, not to get off subject. Is it's all right. People say what you, people say what you want to about about uh, about Niger, but that dude makes sure his people are straight, and that to me is so important. You know what I mean? It's like because a lot of people don't do that. You know what I mean? They get on and they're like, cool. You know what I mean? They meet them some people, meet them some chicks, and like they're out. He kept his people right there with them. All them dudes he was skating with growing up. Uh, David and Domona. I think it's dope how they's right there with them. And it's like, because you don't see that that much anymore. You know, yeah. like you saw that a lot when we were kids. And like, you see it now and it's like, it's like they have to be on the same team. You know, it, it seems really forced when you see that. But you don't see a lot of that now. You know, you really don't, man. And it's, um, I think it's, I think it's very cool to see like, a network of people skating together and it's really organic not like, like you know like you see them hanging out you're like man they're actually really cool you know like i think that's awesome to see man everyone's too cool to hang out with their friends or or until it's like time to be seen on the gram or something it's i think that's really awesome of him you know like he's the dude's obviously loaded can do anything he wants to can be hanging out with anybody he wants to he chooses to hang out with a skateboard but that is awesome to me that's yeah. just me. I think that's awesome. I think it's amazing. I, I can't knock it. I, I make fun of Nigel just because uh, he's on the king of the. He's the king of the castle, you know. So you got to always just watch the top and make sure they're good to people. And it's good to hear. Oh that he yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. He's he's good to people. A lot of people. A lot of people don't like his shorts, but I'm coming for them shorts. That's me. <laughs> that's I'm for them shorts. <laughs> I, I know you see my. I know you see my legs and my clips. I'm looking sexy out here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for them. Tonight, I'm coming for them short. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go a little shorter than him just to take dethrone him. Just go like an inch or two shorter, just to have that. <laughs> nah, dog. I have my elephant trunk to be hanging out. I couldn't do it all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll make a statement. That's how you make a statement, dude. When the testicles right, drop yeah. out. <laughs> I was already, I was already naked in the video before. Let's not do this again. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't scared, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool on that. I'm, I'm, my mom might be watching this time. So yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. It's not as. It's oh, not there's, as a, there's a. No, go ahead. Uh, it's just not as. It's not as cute when you're a little older either. You know, <laughs> like it's just yeah. like a little different game. <laughs> no one wants to see my 46 year old balls. <laughs> uh, okay, let's kind of 
move forward a little bit and maybe we'll jump back again. Uh, also, I wanted to make sure, like, I know you're outside. I don't know how your battery is, so keep an eye on your battery. Yeah, I, I think I'm good right now. I think I, I think I should be good. Okay, cool. If it gets close where we got to cut it off, we can always come back another time. But um, okay. let's jump forward to uh, modern day. Like, I know uh, we were talking a little bit about a new project that you're you're starting to craft and build and uh maybe take me through your thought process with this whole um radio show slash podcast that you're you're building well i originally wanted to do a uh alfonso actually talked me into all this first and foremost <laughs> alf alf <laughs> yeah what's up alf that's my man but i'll talk i'll i'll like hey man you need to do some like video stuff you know like and i'm like alf i hate being on video you know, I was just like, I really just, I just don't want, like, I look at those kind of things and I, I, I just personally can't, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to watch myself on video. I've already watched myself on video and, um, and he's like, man, you just got to do it. And I was like, so I made a little TikTok and I never, I never, I was like, man, I can't do this. I went to get some skate clips. So I started putting together some skate clips and then, um, I started doing the uh, black history thing. And a lot of people were like, you should put this into a book, something, something. And at first, like, when I was doing the first half of the month, I got really, like, I started to get frustrated because I was trying to do a lot of them. You know, I was trying to do a whole bunch of them at one time. And um, it just became, like, like a task, like a chore. You know, and I was like, man, uh, I was trying to cram all the stuff in. And, and literally, I noticed I started doing it for the wrong reason. You know, I started, I st- like, I wanted to chase you know, like people, oh, you should do this guy. And it's just like, I wanted to keep adding on. You know, I was like, I don't know why I did this. You know, I was just like, oh man, now I got myself in this concubine. I just, I feel like I got to do this every day and two or three things and a black history thing. So I was like, you know what, dude, I should just do a podcast and like talk about it, you know, and uh, get some of these guys on the line and have them kind of tell their story. And then I started, started thinking, I was like, I know a bunch of people that do music and I know a bunch of people to interview. And I was like, well, actually, I'm going back on the road and doing a pop-up tour. and I could do live podcasts and all these things. And I was just like, you know what, dude, just do the podcast. You know, I was like, because it's, I feel like it's something that, for what I want to do, it's something I'm really into. You know, I'm in the skateboard culture. I'm in all the people that are into the culture of skateboarding and what makes skateboarding cool and a lot of a lot of stuff that people don't know about with skateboarding that I found I find cool and interesting and you know and it's stuff that I find cool and interesting you know and like I, it's stuff that I want to do and and there's still people I want to talk to about stuff with skateboarding and the skateboard industry and just their upbringing and I know there's tons of stories I still haven't heard and you know it's just stuff you know and these are people who are, I feel are the heroes of skateboarding. You know, they're, they're, they're the underlining heroes. There's heroes, and then there's the heroes that make the heroes the heroes. And these are the guys that make the heroes the heroes. Like, you always know about the guy that flew the, the fighter the fighter jet. You don't know about the guy that commanded the fighter jet or the guy that helped build the fighter You don't know about that kind of shit, you know, because, like, people, they don't seem to care, you know, and it's like that kind of stuff is interesting to me. And I think it's very interesting to me, like, old skate park stuff and old, you know, Ariasha is just an encyclopedia of knowledge and history from clothing to skateboards to music to, and how it all ties together. And like, I didn't know a lot of this until I met him and I was just like, wow. You know, so there's a whole nother side of skateboarding. A lot of people just don't, 
Yeah, I feel like it needs to be heard and seen. And you know, like a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of stuff you do too. You do a lot of cool, you know, you do a lot of cool like culture-based stuff. And a lot of people don't tap into that. You know, like they, they want to wait for like who's the who's the most famous guy from Boston and when's he gonna get on Anthony's show? You know, it's like and I think that kind of takes away from the culture of it. You know, there's a lot of guys here that those guys probably talk about. And like people are like, who's that guy? And just forget about him a week later. Well, those are the guys who I want to talk to. And that's what I find interesting with skateboarding. And, and the whole format is going to be a 70s style radio. So it'll just be, you know, where back in the day where the DJ knew the band and they call like, like sort of like this, you know, you call, you talk to people and, you know, like we know each other, you know, we, we can have a casual conversation. It's not weird. You know, you're like, so man, what's it uh Man, what's your favorite color? <laughs> I, I wanted to get past all that. You know what I mean? Like, man, like that one ad is, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of stuff is already covered and it's done very well. You know, yeah. I just want to talk to these guys. And like a lot of unknown, Ron Kanigi is a guy I've always wanted to talk to. And like a lot of people forgot about him. And that dude's like, he's a true East Coast legend. Yeah. You know, like he was putting it down before, in, before people were screaming East Coast and all that. He was like literally an East Coast legend, you know, and like he was one of the guys a lot of people would have never thought that he was from the East Coast or just couldn't put two and two together, would have never thought he's from Jersey and I have no idea about him. It's just like this guy should be celebrated. Yeah. You know, like when I see when I see him, I see Rob, I see Rob Ross, I see him. You yeah. know what I mean? And I see guys, you know, I see like Scott Johnson, I see him. You know, so wow. you just see little shades of people and you know, and like you you pick it up and like you know, like Chris Hall is another great guy. I'd love to get on Fred Reeves. Man, if I can get the man, Fred on, the fucking man, <laughs> man. If uh, Fred Reeves is my ultimate, ultimate interview, man, that is just the guy who, just for me being a kid and having his having his placings taped to my wall at contests, little pictures of him just taped all around my wall. And, you know, I, that that was like my hero growing up. Like he was in Georgia, you know, and I was just like, oh man, this black guy from Georgia. And so that kind of stuff just, you know, interests me, man. Like, I'd really love to talk to these people and talk to the movers and shakers of the industry and the people that matter to the people that matter in the industry. That's yeah. that's my angle on it, you know, and that's uh, that's where I'm going with it. You know, that's going to be awesome. So, so from my angle, I'm really happy that you're taking on this uh, project because, like I said, I grew up, like, reading what you wrote and watching you in videos and, like, it's cool that um, we need people like you to um, to continue on, to uh, take on that role because there's a lot of skaters that they're not going to, like you're saying, they're not going to get their stories out. They might be, their skate history might be forgotten or people won't know the gaps that it fills. Like these dudes helped so-and-so become so-and-so and that's where the gap fills in. And it's like, Clyde, you've always had a personality. You've been outgoing and you you killed it on a board. So you, and you had sponsors build up you and build up your personal brand. And there's not a lot, like there's not that many skateboarders that are willing to be outgoing and put it out there, you know? And it's so to me, for someone like you to want to take on that project and like carry it forward and, and pay it forward to all these other people, that's exactly what we need right now. Like to me, that's, that's fucking sick. Cause I've always like, as a little kid, man, I always wanted to express myself. Cause I have a crazy life story. Like dad passed away when I was 12 mom, drug addiction, like, I was getting into skating as therapy 
And like, but I also was trying to build identity through it and express myself through skating. I was never into like the trick side and the jock side of things, you know, like where I just like, I didn't ever look at skating like a sport. Like you were saying earlier, it was more like a therapy friend community type thing. But I always wanted to learn to express myself through skating some way, you know, just to communicate because I felt like I had a lot on my mind and on my heart that I needed to get out. And I felt like hopefully skateboarders would understand me. So like I, tr- I forced myself to be outgoing, whereas I know a lot of skaters are introverts and they keep to themselves and skating is their own little thing. So it's good that the people that, such as yourself that are outgoing enough to speak and articulate enough build some platforms to, to share all those stories and all those skaters and share the, all those perspectives. Cause they get lost and we fall, we might all fall into like chasing the Olympic gold and all that mainstream shit they push on us. So it's nice to have someone that's bringing up the past and putting a spotlight on it to fill in the gaps for everybody, you know? Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, man. It's uh, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of like a duty. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I really feel like it's, my friend said it to me the other day and he was like, he said, Malcolm and Martin didn't choose who they wanted to be. The people chose them. And he's like, you're the chosen one. Now it's like, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but it, it's like, I like that responsibility. You know, like I like, I like being able to encompass everything that, I've wanted to do and everything I'm passionate about and bring it forth to people and it, and do it the right way and do it my way. I think that's very important to do it the way that I want to do it, you know, and, and, and it's cool. You know, I was, I was able to finally just wait my turn and do it the way I wanted to do it. You know, and it's, if I would have done this anyway with anyone else, I'm pretty sure it would have went a completely different direction. And, you know, I just had to wait and take my time and, and put put all of my tools in one box, and and here we are. You know, it's like this is just a lot of people don't understand. Like I made a post today about this. This is almost thirty years, or you know, like twenty five years of like multimedia experience. You know, and just it's all just being able to put it together and do it myself, not for other people. And like, hey, do you think you'll take this interview? Because I've been turned down with a lot of stuff before that I wanted to write about. And, You'd be very surprised at a lot of stuff that the magazines have turned away. <laughs> like, very, very surprised, you know, because it, it, they don't want to. They don't want to mess with their bottom dollar, which is cool. But unfortunately, right now, for everyone, the bottom dollar is my dollar. So, you know, that's that's what's very important. You know, it's like I'm I'm able to speak on things and speak and speak of things because it's not going to hurt my bottom dollar because my bottom dollar is controlled by me. Yeah. You know, and like that independence and is crucial. It's very crucial, you know? So it's like, and I, and I are, and I'm already comfortable enough where I am, you know, I don't need, I, I would love to have more, but I'm, I don't need more, you know? So if God forbid, if this doesn't take off, I don't expect to make millions of dollars out of it. This is a project I want to do. Like I'm already, I got my hands full of so much other stuff, you know, I'd be touring doing the pop-ups and, I got a brand to run and just life in itself, you know? So it's just, I think, I don't think it's easy doing a podcast. Don't take it wrong. I just think it would be, it's a good way for me to express what I'd like to do with all of that, you know, instead of putting up a social media post or anything like that. But no, I get to actually do this in real time and share it with people. And that's awesome. You know, I've been getting a good feedback and it hasn't even went up yet. So yeah, 
it's a privilege. It's, it's a it's amazing that we have the technology where we can connect with each other. Like you know as well as anyone going back, it's like before you had to shoot fucking sequences with actual film and video, you had to have oh, yeah. a gatekeeper to put you in the video, which you know, and now it's like we have these powerful tools. We just gotta find out creative way. We gotta find creative ways to use them and express ourselves and connect the dots, you know, and it's it's awesome. It's a, yeah, it's and a, a lot privilege. of people Yeah, and a lot of people, um, you know, I think it's that's pretty much what it is, is using, I'm sorry, using social media to like your advantage almost. You know, it's like if you can reach this many people, like what do I look like cracking jokes and shit all day online? And you know, I mean, I'm like almost 50 years old, dude. Like, like all that shit is gone, you know. And like most of those people, it's like I got time to be talking to these like weird little nerds online all day, you know. It's like like justifying my opinion. It's like no one asks you, you you a weird clout goblin. Like no one, no one, no one cares what you gotta say. You know what I mean? Like like I didn't post this. I didn't ask for your opinion. You know what I mean? This ain't this ain't politics. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people need to understand that a lot of those people they aren't skateboarders. That's why they're offended by a lot of stuff I say. You don't see skateboarders getting offended by stuff I say because they know what time it is. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like some dudes the other day all pissy about the culture thing. I'm like, hey, well, dude, like Tony Alva and Nottis agrees with me. I don't care what you got to say. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, why don't you go argue with your mama? Like, yeah. I don't care. You know, it's like, <laughs> it don't, like, it don't matter what you got to say because I know I'm in tune with what I'm saying. You know, like I, I don't, I think before I speak. A lot of people don't do that, and that's that's a heavy thing. You know, I used to not do that a lot, and uh, that's a little too bad for people now. You know, I got, I, I think before I speak and think before I post stuff, and it's just, you know, right now I think it's a a good time. You know, a lot of people are kind of sitting around and not doing shit. You know, so it's probably a good time to be learning something. You know what I mean, I know damn shame people ain't working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> And they, they don't got no gas to go nowhere. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said, man, it's kind of like a, a perfect fit because everything you've been doing in skateboarding has kind of led to this moment, you know, like all your skills you've attained, they, they lend nicely to that fork, uh, that, that um, format of podcasting radio show. It, it fits perfect to me. Like when you, when you yeah. mentioned it, I was like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. You're outgoing. You're willing to say shit. You got all the connections to talk to people. Like, it's a no brainer to me, man. And for your area locally, like it's going it, to, it's a huge thing. You can connect so many dots too, you know, and you open up your area to the outside world of all these bridges, you know, with other people. And it just seems awesome, man. Um, this kind of, yeah, it's going to be okay. I'm sorry. Um, actually go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, I also wanted to, uh, about this show. I wanted to, I wanted to let you know, because I forgot to say this, uh, David Deary, that does um does Donnell Rawlings podcast. Nice. He's gonna be taking on production for mine. Well that's it. So yeah, so me and uh me and Ashley Larry got the same production guy. Same, wow. same management. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, how it. random is that? Yeah. Don- Donnell's hilarious life. too. That's a that's is, a good connection. He's absolutely hilarious and he's funny and he's smart. Like yeah. like that's a like, like that's a whole nother thing. It's like being funny and, 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 and stupid is one thing. But like being funny and smart and like quick with it is great. You know, yeah. I think I think he's awesome at what he does. And you know, I've loved him before that. And it was just kind of a by chance thing. I think it came up with the whole Ricky Oyola uh guy that man, I can set this up. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to that that weirdo. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do like I do jump to my DMs. I'm 
I'm gonna come down and see my Puerto Rican family. Like, dude, these this is what fifty years old. Easy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying you're you're fifty years old. You're fifty years old, and, and people's DMs sending threats. Oh man, like dog, you're probably you're probably you're probably a, you're probably like a really good time in the PTA meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like think, this, think about that. You know what I mean? Imagine if your dad was like, you know, I just couldn't imagine that. I just, you know, your grandfather, when you were a kid, was like, I'm gonna beat this dude up on the internet. You know what I'm yeah. like, 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 just, and like the dude's mad over something he said, which is hilarious to me. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's just right time to do, to do the internet thing. I mean, to do the uh, podcast thing because. You know, a lot of stuff's been coming up, and it's going to come with a lot of hits, man. It's going to come with uh, the territory is not going to be fun. A lot of people yeah. going, a lot of people, a lot of people going to be mad because they know I have access to tell the truth. You know, they're not going to be mad at me. They're going to be mad at what I got to say, and that's just the truth about a lot of things. And a lot of things, a lot of people and things aren't really worth touching up on. You know, yeah. I don't know why people are acting a, a certain way, but. It's, it's, it's whatever. It's, you know? I think it's because people want to hold you, who who hold you to who you were or who or what you said instead of being in the moment and moving forward. Like we got to allow people the chance to grow and move past their story or develop their story, you know. And it's like podcast is moving forward. It's like you can talk about anything. You can explain your perspective and what this was. It's like it's your thing, you know. We need it more because. That's all it is nowadays. It's like attack culture where everybody wants to make a name off of destroying someone else. And it's like, fuck off, dude. I was, I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. That's part of growth in life and being a human is like, there's new idiots being born every day and they're going to be idiots until they figure <laughs> it the fuck out. And you got to allow people space and time to make mistakes. And nobody wants to do that anymore. Cause you, what you call them? Uh, clout goblins. Hilarious, dude. Yeah. That's fucking perfect. <laughs> It's like fucking stop trying to gain clout off of someone else's shit and trying to tear them down. Why don't you let them live? But you be so busy building your own fucking life. You don't have time to critique other people. And that shit happens all the time. It's like an American pastime nowadays because everybody's got this technology and they don't they don't have enough skills or enough vision to do something creative and awesome with it. They rather use it to destroy instead of build up, you know, and it's like. We need more people to build shit up, like use the fucking mind blowing technology of a microphone and these cameras and connect with people and try to build a future that's better, that we can all help each other instead of the opposite. Like, I don't everyone wants to burn the flag. It's like, calm the fuck down, dude. We still got to live here. You know what I mean? Like, and we got to care. Exactly. Right. And these kids, these kids, man, they need people to like. There's a lot of people that are silenced because of their past or because people want to try to bring up every little fucking thing. And it's like, fuck that. Like, allow these people to live, man. People make mistakes. Yep. We don't need to fucking exactly. Ha- we don't need to fucking burn them all down. You know, it's unbelievable. It's it's sad. And thing, it's sad, man. And see, and kind of get going into the thing with Ricky, it's like I'm all for like people, like you know what I mean. Like I wasn't even coming at dude. Like he's still da da da. But the way he came at me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like he came at me because I mentioned, I don't even mention his name. I yeah. mentioned, I mentioned, I mentioned in passing, I was talking about Javante and it was like, I don't know. It was just weird because I haven't talked to this dude in like 25 years. What's yeah. up with that? And so I mentioned to Javante, he's like, man, first he tried to tell me I wasn't there or like I'm making it up. And I'm like, dog, I was right there. Like, you're like, I didn't even say your name and I was trying to be civil with him. They thought, man, you know, I just don't want to talk about it. And I was like, all right, man, well, just peace. And then uh, I wrote some shit a couple months later. 
it was about uh, Django and about freedom. And he was like, man, you know, skateboarding made you gate made you who you were. And I was just like, this cocky piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm just like, and I was like, dog, I know what's wrong with this guy. This guy doesn't like black people. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't care how many black people he's known. I don't care. He could skate with Roger Brown to the end of the grave. That does not mean that this, the mere mention of black people to him drives him crazy. You know what I mean? It literally, it, it had him in my DMs. And then, and then I'm talking about Django and something else. And here comes this dude. Yeah. So I made the post and I was like, yo, man, look, this is why this guy's mad. You know, he's mad because I almost mentioned this, da, da, da. and then Vern comes in. Vern's like, yo, man, uh, you know, he jumped on my shit the other day. He was yelling at me, made the whole thing about him. And it was, and I was just like, yo. Oh, and shit, I think, Philly beef. <laughs> it, no, and, I, no and, and, for, and from what I understand where it comes from, I mean, I know he's still mad about the Javante shit because he doesn't want to talk about it. But, and I know why he doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't have to because I have an interview with him talking about it and I just post it. We'll just say that. So, but with uh, him and all them guys, I guess it's something with Stevie and, and his crew and, and when those the photographers used to come in town, he told photographers don't take photos of little dirty ghetto kids and that's where the name came. Yeah, that's where that. So I'm like, I didn't even notice. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm just like, I'm like, yo, this dude's like a habitual fucking line stepper. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like <laughs> this ain't so this ain't some new shit. Like, this is like, like, damn dog, like how many more people have you insulted? And then all these people are coming in. And I'm like, this dude's just a dick. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, here we are at 50 years old, and he still thinks he's like bullying people. I'm like, then he yeah. jumps in my DMs. And then after I was like, hey man, you want to just I was like, I, I mentioned something to him. I was like, hey, man, you want to come on a podcast? I made the shit with uh, Rocky and what's his name? Then he jumped in my DMs like seven days later. You're a fucking fraud. And when I come down, I'm going to see my Port my, me and my Puerto Rican families. You're going to get the real. And I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's. I feel like his mentality with Philly was always like the old guard. Like he was very protective over the whole, like his identity based around being a street skater in Philly and like. That's where that comes from. I know dudes like that. Like when I was coming up, we had a bunch of old heads that would get mad at you because you would not skate the ramp the way they wanted you to skate it. And then they would like spit at you or say some bullshit. And you're just like, you're fucking dated, bro. Like you're just, it's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming. You know what I mean? It's coming. Yeah. And so most of those guys, what's really important is what I wanted to uh, get to with that is most of those guys that we grew up skating with like that, like that were big mouths. We didn't, we would just knock them off on the board. You know what I mean? We'd go to their ramp. We'd, we'd just kill them with the board. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like, that's all. And it's like, y'all ain't going to respect my mouth, but y'all are going to respect me when I, fucking, when, I, when I eat you up on this ramp. Hell yeah. And Ricky, and, and Ricky, I think the thing with Ricky and a lot of guys like that, oh, shit, I got 20% battery. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I got 20% battery. And the thing with those guys, not to harp on and on, but like a lot of those older guys, they never really been checked. You know what I mean? And so they feel like it's like, I don't know, but I don't know what to tell that dude, but hey, dog, like, I'm not from, I'm not one of them dudes. You know what I mean? Like, like we're from the South. Like, we check people that say nigga. And he didn't say it to me, but he tried to talk to me like a chump, which is like, I don't do that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I didn't talk to him like a I came to him like a man, like, on, even in the low. And then, uh, then he tried to get real cocky. I was like, ah, oh, me and my people won't come down. So I made a post. I was like, all right, dog, like, how about this? You coming down to see your people? 
My man's got a my man's got a ring. Let's just jump in the ring. Like I knock your old ass out. You know what I'm saying? I'm some real shit. It's like dog, like. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just jump in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw, I saw, I saw the thing. Like, don't you work for UPS or some shit? Like, I know you're looking flabby and sick. Just jump in the ring. That's all yeah. you gotta do. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like all you gotta do. I ain't gonna be fighting you in the street because I ain't got time for that shit. You know, I'm a grown ass man. I ain't got time to be meeting you and fighting you with. You know what I'm saying? You want let's just knock it out and like we could give the money to charity or whatever. You know what I mean? Everybody, oh man, I don't know about that, y'all. And it's like, so what you you just want this dude to keep. What you want? What you want to happen? You know what I mean? Either we gonna dead in the ring, or are you just gonna shut up? That's it. You know Yo, you should. Me? You should get someone. To, you should get someone to film that shit. And make it like a rock, the Rocky movie, like the music and all that shit. Like that'd be hilarious. Dun, 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 dun. You and him in the oh. ring would be fucking amazing. Oh, you have oh, I, 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 celebrity well, death he was, match. He was supposed to. He was supposed to come on the show and um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say he's still coming on the show. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so, because you guys could battle the shit out in words, you know? Like, that's a way better way, for sure. Oh, he's he's coming on the show. Probably just not the way he thinks he is. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Should be entertaining. <laughs> and I think I think it'll probably be his, his cousin, Rocky Oyola. And it's going to be great. <laughs> oh, shit. We got, we got him lined up. It's going to be great. He's got a lot of words to say. Trust me. Yeah, man. It's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, this is why we, we have the technology. We can do this type of shit, you know? Like. Art, I mean, I'll be down to have him on the show, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's like, dude, dude, even I'll be like, he hit me up at like three in the morning. It's like, damn, dog, am I really living in your head rent free like that? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're up at like three in the morning, write me love letters and shit. And my DM, like, you trying to date me and shit? <laughs> you might be his bridge. <laughs> you might be his bridge to skating again. Some people are like so far away from skating that, that they just like miss it. So then they lash out like that shit. And you're like, that's what I'm saying, way. man. Not the way to do it. Might tell that dude to go kick flip a manhole cover or some shit. Yeah, start pushing around the you know city again. <laughs> go, do a, go do a back tail on somebody's truck or some shit. I ain't got time for that, dude. <laughs> um, okay, so before I before I forget, I wanted to um kind of bring up minority report and uh talk about okay. how, how that came to be and like what were your thoughts? Like why did that come to be? Um, I was kind of there was a bunch of guys who were really good and you know, skateboarding industry clearly only needs a couple black people at a time as we can all see you know they're like whoa they're like whoa that's too many black people on the team (laughs) so uh (laughs) so um you know i figure most of most of the guys that i'd known their teams are pretty stacked up and you know so i was just like hey man the best way the best thing i can do is use my name to showcase these guys talents and i had this awesome idea and and at first it was kind of funny then it turned into a real idea and it was like oh god i'm making a video and um <laughs> i know that know, feeling. Just, yeah i was like oh man i'm making a video now but it all came together well it's exactly i wanted it to be a mixtape of just like of just all, i didn't want it to concentrate on the names i wanted to concentrate on the skating and the music that's yeah. it and like and then i was like a skater skater would know who the skaters are if not they would watch it to the end and put it together but that's that's my vision on it and it was awesome man like a lot of good people were in it a lot of guys turned pro since then it was awesome, you know. It's like it's good to kind of have a. To me, it's like it's important to have those kind of footprints in skateboarding than it is to have, you know, to have the best-selling shoe and, and like you know one of the best-selling boards and all that. Like that kind of stuff is more important to me because it's it's more personal to me. You know, it's like 
I think it, I think it's something that I would want when I was growing up, you know, and like, unfortunately, a lot of guys didn't do that. And that doesn't make any less or any more, you know, like Ron Allen did a good job of putting together, you know, teams like that. And it's just something I've always wanted to do, you know, like I've always wanted to make a video with a token white guy. <laughs> That's been a dream of mine since I was a kid. And, and, I, and I did it. I did it. I could. I could say I did it. And that's, that's so it. funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Dude. I, I, that, that was. That was. That was. Some, I was like. I was like. I really want to use my leverage to folk, to showcase these guys' talents. But the real agenda behind it was like, dude, I want to make a. I want to make a video with token white guy. I was like, just for once, and 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 it did its job because white people got pissed. Yes. <laughs> You're hilarious, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you want to hear something crazy? Actually, um, when I when I I told you a little bit about how I grew up, you know, and this okay. is fucked. This is fucked up, but like I always talked about how I was raised in magazines and videos, and uh, I talked about how my mom had like substance abuse issues, and my dad was in a gang. He was in a motorcycle gang, got shot, and passed away and stuff. And uh, dude, yeah. this and like. This is fucked up. Like one time I got on an internet list of the top 10 best black skateboarders. And I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, I'm clearly the whitest dude. Like, I'm pretty white. I got hairy arms, but like. You beat Rob Welsh? Uh, yeah, I'd see. I, so my theory is, my theory is, and it's a fucked up theory, is that my backstory, they just assumed whoever was like making a list and put me on it. They were just fucking assuming like some fucked up yeah. shit. I'm like, that's so, that's yeah. the only thing I, that I'm like, I don't know. Like, they're not basing it off of a picture of me. That's for damn sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I can't quite figure it out. But I ended up getting up on the list though. I was like working hard. I was like sharing that shit on social media. I was like, that I'm moving up. Amazing. I'm moving up this list. I think I got to like seventh or sixth best black skateboarder there is on, on the internet on this one. That pole. is amazing. You know, I know. you know what's the best thing? I Confuse love how they me. played. I, they love. They played identity politics with me. They were like, "Let me see, mom, that's, drugs, gun, death. Yep, he's black." Yeah, that's yeah. that's what yeah. I'm getting at. Is nowadays it's a lot of people just trying to pay, play some fucking battles polit politics, trying to get clout from just like trying to point shit out. And it's like, come the fuck down, dude. We're not. We can't put yeah. each other. We can't put each other all in boxes. It's like, I get it. You know, like there's a lot of fucked up shit in the world and things. But like it, when you when you put everyone into different camps and we divide everybody up eventually you just divide everybody up by an individual which we should do in the beginning exactly judge everybody off of their own personal character not their skin color or like it's insane yes. and we can still acknowledge yeah. that like people of different races and different things have different trials and tribulations and be true about that but we don't have to pigeonhole yes. everybody into that same box because it's not like that you know? exactly We're, and it's insane. And it, it, i'm glad you touched on that because uh I see a lot of people doing that with like, with like, especially with like, you know, with, with the Ricky thing. And it's like, and like, and I had to point out to someone, one of his friends hit me up and I had to point this out to him. And like, they're like, do you really think he's racist? Da, 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 da. And I was like, look, dude, because this is why this, if he wouldn't have said this, it would he probably would have got away with it. But he's like, you know, like we've all said stupid stuff when we were kids, you know, I get, you, you know, you've heard someone yell like gay, gay slurs. And I'm like, and I was like, all right, dude, look. Saying someone like yelling a gay slur or something, that's prejudice. 
when you yell the N-word, that's racist. You know what I'm saying? And like you have to understand the, the difference and the dynamic of the two. You yeah. know, racism is like racism is something that's like it's 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 like socialism. It's something that's built up. It's 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 a it's a knowledgeable you have to go through it's centuries and centuries of yeah. stuff like bad words are bad words, but racism, like that word comes from a racist connotation. And it comes from like it's it's not just a hate, it's also a hateful word, but it's also a very racist word. Yeah. You know, it's like, and a lot of people have to understand the dynamic there. And then like I like, I was like, hey dude, I don't think he's racist. I think he did something racist. And also I don't think he really likes black people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So like that's for other people to figure out, you know, yeah. but I wouldn't box, I wouldn't box him into like a, a like, oh, like, like, when, like, a, like, what are the, like a David Duke racist thing, you know, because that would, that, that would be untrue. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not, he's not in a clan or nothing, but has he said something racist? Yes. Does he still have problems with black people? Clearly. Yes. You know, so to, to, to not acknowledge those two things and, but to also be, to be knowledgeable enough to be like, you know, I don't think he's a downright racist, like with being a racist organization, because number one, he couldn't be, he's Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. but I do think that he doesn't like black people and he said something very racist and he brushed it off in a magazine. So if you put those two, three, three things together and you sit him next to a racist person, it's not going to look very different. But to myself, I'd be like, I wouldn't put him next to David Duke, but both of them don't like black people. That's one thing I will say. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they do. You know, if they do, like, I don't know why they, I don't know why he would have a problem with, say, Django, a post of Django, or like why he'd be in Vern Laird's comments arguing about <laughs> something about, yeah, about little Stevie on. I'm like, dude, this guy clearly does not like us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he ain't doing this on Danny Way's wall. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he ain't on the all he ain't on the all I need comments doing this. You know what I'm saying? So no. it's like you gotta watch the patterns of people, man. And um, you know, just like with Ethan Fowler, like someone tried to box in, like, you know, like Corey Duffel was on foundation, and I was like, whoa, 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 that don't play that because that's a very dangerous game to play, is to yeah. put the company in there with the dudes. I was like, unless the company comes out and backs him, yeah. like, hey man, you know, like we don't care, we don't like we don't like you niggers either. Like they wouldn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'm pretty sure they feel a certain way. And but like, you can't you can't back them into a corner and have them speaking for him. That's wrong of you to do, and that takes away from the entire message or the entire thing that's going on. And the entire message is what people aren't getting from the Ethan Fowler thing. Is that Benny was holding that story for so long. You know what I mean? Like that's that is painful to walk around with i know what that's like to walk around with to like have something so blatantly racist said to you and you're just like there's no one you can talk to there's no one you can tell and then years later you just have the courage to say it to someone it's like that's what people are missing out of this it's yeah. not fuck ethan fowler it's not it like i don't care about ethan fowler you know what i mean like ethan fowler probably got I, I don't know what he does i don't really care people are like man you should see his ig i'm like i don't care you yeah. know like i care about that benny that's what I'm talking like. It's like people want to overlook the victim and become the victim and then and then suppress the it's like, dude, you guys just stay out of this. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is to demonstrate to you that this is a grown ass man that had to deal with this as a child. 
you know, and he's been holding this story since a child. No one picks up on the bigger part of the story. And that's, and it just takes away from the entire message. That's why, like, as you're saying, like to box things in so conveniently, you know, you get these people and they're just running off of the mouth and you're like, will you guys just shut up? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you probably haven't even stood up for the black dishwasher at your job, <laughs> you know, and here you are, here you are online acting like you're like, you know what I mean? You're trying to be fucking Talcum X online and that shit is like not cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that shit is like, like, like you, you, you fix your own house. You know what I mean? And this is like, this is kind of in-house shit. This is like a lot of stuff ain't for a lot of people. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. that don't mean it's just for black people. It's for people that are knowledgeable and people that know and people that have stuck up for black people in, in the past and people that know black folks like that and have to deal with stuff. And, you know, a lot of these people, they're not very cultured, man. You know, that's why I keep saying culture. Like, you, you know, Boston is a multicultural place. I'm sure you grew up around all kinds of people up here. You know, I walk around, I see this ain't North Carolina, dog. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You walk around North Carolina, that shit was like a Travis Trick concert. <laughs> you know what I mean, here you see all kinds of people. I'm like, cool. You know, and I think that's that's kind of warming and that you know, you you can see things a lot differently when you're in these environments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of people ain't grow up and a lot of people ain't grow up like this. So they get online, they think. They, they they put that little black thing in their profile picture. They're like, "Yo, we down now." Like, man, if y'all yeah. don't shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going on. People just fucking hating themselves and then trying to uh, virtue signal. They hate their own lives and hate everything about themselves, or they think they're they're trying to be righteous over some bullshit. It's like these struggles aren't yours. Like, I know you want to defend, and it's not your responsibility to try to like defend my struggles. Like. That's yeah, my job. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that's my job. Yeah, like, bro. Yeah, like, who are you, like, the, the black people, Superman and shit. Like, 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 <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah, man, you're going to put your cape up. Like, we don't need that shit. I mean, you want to help us? Go go support a business or something. Somebody yeah. the other day was saying something and like, he's a pretty nice guy. He's always on my line. He's like, yeah, you know, I ain't going to support. I ain't going to support Ethan or none of his companies. And I'm just like, dog, like, when you black people don't want to hear that shit. Like, why don't you tell us somebody you're supporting? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, why don't you put your money somewhere instead of putting your mouth somewhere? That's yeah. what's more important. You know what I mean? It's like, if you really feel like that, cool, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna support him. Show me what you do support. That's what we want to hear. Because, like, you're putting another problem on a problem. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know so what I mean? True. Like, you gotta, you gotta be smart when you're dealing with the shit like this. And, like, a lot of smart people want to jump in and start dealing. It's like, yo, dog, like, please just, just pipe down. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're gonna make yeah. you're gonna make this a lot worse, and you gonna have people around here saying stuff and doing stuff like linking me up with you. Like, yeah, Clyde said, don't buy either. Like, man, I ain't I ain't saying none of that because I, I don't even know who that man works for, or nothing like that. And I'm pretty sure they don't agree with half the shit they they, they would have read it too. Yeah, and that man. was a long time ago. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know how he feels now. I don't. But one thing I do know is is that that that's. To me, it hurt reading that story because I can identify with that story. It hurt me reading it from Benny's perspective. Not that, man, like, Ethan's a bad guy. It's like, yeah, dude, there's a lot of bad people in this world. But let's talk about this dude. He was a kid when this happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's very important to look on. And, like, that dude's probably been walking around so many nights just like that, eating him inside. And, like, I I know what that feels like, man. So, like, that story was a lot more important than just, like, fuck Ethan Fowler. Like, nah, dog. Yeah, that has nothing to do with either. Like, yeah, that's cool. Like, this dude is like, and even going back to the Stevie thing, it's like, oh, this is all starting to make sense now. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. You know, it's like, 
Stevie probably took forever to tell that story on, on his on his ESPN doc. You know what I mean? Like yeah. about I mean, I'm just like, damn, dog, like that's I'm I'm hearing this shit. I'm like, damn, dog, that's crazy. Like, yeah. like really? Like <laughs> that's some mean shit to say. <laughs> Shit's wild, bro. Shit for time? You, but yeah, you know, I, I I think people have a right, you know, I just quit drinking. So I have no, you know, I'm not, I'm not the I'm not the growth police. I still got a while to go. I'm only a year and three months, three yeah. months deep. And, um, you know, I still got some learning and stuff to do. So I can't fault people for their past. I can fault people for how they act now. Yeah, and that's, true. you know, that's, that's literally what it comes down to, you know, and like, and a lot every, of people can't separate those two. Yeah. Every, every person, every individual has their demons, you know, and we all, life is hard and it's oppressive in nature. Like culture just wants you to conform to get shit done you know like that's normal and life is hard like you come into a world you don't understand you're coming out the vagina into a world you don't understand and then it all just comes at you your, your senses turn on and the whole crazy world every crazy person out there all of that is broadcasted at a, at you especially at a young age with all this technology and it's like you're in the fucking wild world, wild west, trying to figure out who you are and develop and all that stuff. And every individual born into this crazy ass world has to navigate that and build identity through that. And like people get pulled in directions and they lose their identity and they subscribe to other people's beliefs. And like the world's wild. We know this, like our education system is crazy. Our fucking, our authoritarian police structure at times there's like that side of it and then there's every side of everything and we're we're privy to all of it we can see it all now that technology is a transparent it's like mirrors that's why when i first started looking at the phone i'm like these are mirrors they're reflecting who we are and what we are or whatever we want to show it you know like there's a lot of people oh, wow. fake, a lot of people faking it you know like they're like ooh, ooh, this is my show and then some people wow. are being authentic so it's just like we're putting our life force into these wires these silicone these wires and we're we're all seeing it for the first time. And it's like so much, man, the, the life is insane. And now we get to watch it firsthand. And uh, it's, I, I can't fault anyone for like making mistakes for sure. And that's awesome that you're bet you're uh, working on the drinking thing, man. Cause that one sinks a lot of people. So where, where's that? Like, how do you, I know your phone's probably going to go, but we'll kind of wrap it up soon. But like, how the, how the self-awareness about the drinking and like, how'd you get that under control? You know? Um, well, I, that's pretty easy, man. I went to Tampa this past, the last, not this year, but 2000, uh, 2020, I went and they were releasing my strange love board. So, you know, I'm, I've been pretty much on the low, just, you know, skating, kind of doing my thing in North Carolina and I was a chef. So I wasn't really, I've been to any public events, any skate events for God knows how since probably the Thrashville contest, 2013. Yeah. That was my last public, you know, I skated there and, uh, skated for a little bit there, hung out with all the people, but. I wasn't really doing public things and, you know, besides being on the internet. So I get down there and I just started having a blast. And next thing I know, the next day, I'm a uh, Saturday. I went to the park and started drinking immediately. And the next thing I know, I'm way, I'm under the, under that bowl in the back, passed out, wasted wow. under the bowl. And dude, and I wake up and there's like 30 to 45 people just standing around fucking taking pictures of me like a safari like i was a wounded animal and fucking dude and, and like and, and i was just wasted just laying there like like and kareem walks up and he's like hey man and like i had seen kareem in so long but i thought i was like i, I was like tripping yeah. i'm like yo man i was like kareem i was like trying to touch his face i was still so drunk 
He's like, hey man, he's like, you come with me. He's like, I'm not gonna let these people laugh at you. And I was like, Kareem? And he's like, he's like, get up with me. And he picked me up and carried me and gave me ward and fucking got me back. And he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, man, he's like, you gotta watch who your friends are out here. And ever since that day, man, like I went through the weekend, that Sunday, I had a couple more drinks, and then I think Sunday night, man, it was just I just had it. And um and I was at this fucking apartment. I missed my plane back and I just fucking had it. And um, I think I'd gotten COVID, to be honest, dude. Like I was definitely sick for two days and I flew home Wednesday. And from Sunday to Wednesday, I didn't drink nothing. When I got home, I was living with my buddy Jerry Cooper and I was like, I'm never drinking again. And he's like, all right, man. He's like, whatever you need, I'm right here. Never took a sip. Just kept it going, man. Um, Pandemic hit about a week later. I went to, here's a funny story. I went to, uh, <laughs> I went to AA meeting, looked around and was like, good God, all these people are ugly as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is like an ugly convention. I was like, I can't be up in here. I was like, man, this should have made me want to drink again. <laughs> so I went one time, yo, and I got a little coin. I held on to it and I was like, I never went back, and uh, about a week later, I guess, the pandemic hit, which made it easy for me because it it made me realize that I was a completely, and like, a, a social drinker. You know, like, I'd go, like, and a lot of times I'd go to the bar, I'd get my beer, I'd get, you know, I'd, I'd get some, I'd, I'd sometimes get some blow, go to the bathroom, get all fucked up, and then fucking go home, drink by myself, wake up in the morning, drink on the way to work, drink while I'm at work, like, have a couple of shots before we open. I'd be like four shots deep by 11 o'clock sometimes and just fucking, just, and then once I, once I wasn't doing that, it was like, it didn't matter. Like, it was like, oh, cool. There's no one to drink with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I never really drank at home by myself. I would just bring it home to have it to drink on the way to work, you know, or to like, or to like chase that headache in the morning or something. So like, so then I was just like, I'm not about to be sitting up in my crib, like, drunk or like yeah I mean I was just like that was the last thing I wanted to do so I started making a garden and um you know I think a good thing that kept me the thing that kept me the most like level-headed was I didn't tell anyone for a long time you know like I didn't make it like an announcement until like 30 days and I was like hey you know I just want and 30 days the oh, dude that was brutal that was harder than the whole year anything because it was just times I'd wake up and I'm like that and snacks saved my life. Like, you know what I mean? Snacks, that garden and that and them snacks saved my life. You know, because from then, man, like, you know, it was a blessing, dude. I was able to start my own, start my own thing, doing the pop-ups and um, start the Ali Lama. And it's just a huge blessing, man. Everything just rolled in and I just stayed with it. You know, I just, I stayed 10 toes down and not drinking. And you know, I still smoke some weed here and there. I mean, I still smoke weed, clearly, but... Not as much as I used to, and that's just you know, it's, it's just I'm a different dude now. You know, like I'm, I feel it. I'm a different dude. I can talk to people. I can look at people and talk to them, and yeah, and like I'm sure of myself when I say things and when I think things, and you know, I, and that's how I dealt with a lot of anxiety and a lot of pain from growing up when I was growing up is drinking. You know, that was a lot of my pain from working and knowing like you know, like I'm I'm better than this. You know, and like like I'd always tell them I'm fucking better than being in this restaurant better than watching this dude shit like some slave and like cooking their food. I'm better than this. You know, like I got better ideas than this. And I know people and I can, I know, I know I can make something shake if I just get out of here. 
in them. I, I say this to everyone. The pandemic helped me. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. pandemic helped it, it helped me. It helped me. It helped me discover who I was. I got about 10 more, 10 more, uh, 10 more percent. It helped me, oh. help me, help me, uh, it helped me realize who I was. It helped me realize and love myself. And it helped me just gain my sense of self, you know, that I've never, ever had. You know, I've, I've been drinking since I was 15 years old, man. You know, so I just, I never, I never had my, my hat on tight as much as I always thought I did. And yeah, last year has just been beautiful, man. It's, you know, it's a blessing, dude. It's a blessing. So you know, just stay blessed, stay humble, and that's all. You know, that's how you got to do it out here. You know, keep putting out that good work and stay blessed, stay humble. That's all I want to do. That that's so awesome to hear, man. Because these are people struggle with this stuff their whole life and uh, never escape it. It's amazing to hear that you've like um, realized the gifts you have. Because like ultimately, you have all, all you need. You know, like you have your perceptions. You can hear. You can see. You can feel. And like um, a lot of that drug stuff is to run away from the responsibility of what you do with those things. And um, we all do that. Like that's part of growing up. And like some people never escape it. It buries them. We, me and you both know people that got buried by drinking or alcohol or drugs or whatever, whatever their vices buried them. You know, it's hard to wake up every day because life is long and you got to deal with yourself and figure out what to do with your time and your, your gifts, you know, and it's awesome to hear that you, you you're on that you got that going, you know, that you're, you're on the right path. It's fucking awesome. And I'm really stoked for the things to come, man. If you can, before um, we go, could you just tell people how, where the first episode is going to be and how, how to check it all out for your podcast? Well, the first episode might have to wait until tomorrow or Tuesday because I just dropped my earphone thing to the, the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, hey, it's on your schedule. That's the beauty of your show I mean, is you I put it out when you put it out, you know? Yeah, I told Ron I would call him today, but um, I'll probably interview Ron if not tomorrow, maybe even tonight. I might have to squeeze somewhere to go get some charger. Yeah, but um, it's gonna be on this week. I'd love to get it up by Tuesday. I'd love to be uh, I'd really love to use that going up on a Tuesday. Like I want to use that as like my my episode thing, you know. That's so I'd dope. love it to be up by Tuesday. Um, like I said, time permitting. All I got to really do is do the audio, and you know I'm. Something like this, you know what I mean? Like, just jump on the phone with him, and that's it, man. It's kind of nerve wracking, but doing this is like, I'm like, oh, cool, all right, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I'm not so nervous. So, um, I mean, you can find it on, um, I'm sorry, you can find it on Anchor. It's under my name, Clyde Singleton. My Anchor thing is under Clyde Singleton, but it's called WCRP on skateboarding. You can find it on Anchor. You can find it on Google. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple, um, a couple more podcasting. If you go to my Anchor profile, just type in WCRP on Anchor. It'll show you where all the listings are there. And uh, I got a little promo up there right now. Sounds like an old wrestling promo. It's pretty dope. <laughs> it's actually it's actually Clyde Smith from Ghostface. What? And, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. So um, just getting this thing rolling, man. And um, getting that rolling. That's it. Got a contest coming up down in Virginia next month. Starting to put that together, doing something for Juneteenth. Yeah, so that's yeah. gonna be exciting and um. And definitely, yeah, man, definitely, uh, definitely, I want to help out with that contest. So uh, send me an email and uh, I'll send some product or whatever I can. And I'll also help promote. I'll put the link to your podcast in the description of this episode. So if you want to hear more from Clyde as he goes on his journey with his show, it'll be in the description. You can just click there or go right to there. You subscribe to all of it. So I all really, right. yeah, man, let's get. To 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. I really appreciate you coming on and doing my show and just like, I appreciate everything you've done for skateboarding, man. Cause I've been a little kid who like had a lot of issues and watching you skate and express yourself through writing and like build a career and everything you've done, like has inspired me. So thanks, man. Just want to get that out. While yeah, I'm man. On. It's uh, and no, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. And I, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I love, I love the kick flip into the bank. Like I thank watch you. everything. Don't, don't trip, dude. I watch I, people don't dude. You know what I was watching before we get off here? I was the biggest fan of Braille skateboarding and uh, NKA videos when I was the last, like, before I quit drinking, there was just this, this six or eight month thing where I was just like, so into skating. And I would just watch Braille videos and NKA videos like it was nobody's business. <laughs> like, I know all of their videos. And it's just like, so people don't think, man, I'm a huge skateboard nerd. Like, I watch all the new videos. I watch all you guys' clips. Like, don't think nothing's getting away from me. <laughs> <laughs> dope. That's so dope. That, that helps keep me li- the fire lit here, man, because sometimes you feel isolated and by yourself, you know, so it, it helps to hear that. So thanks, man. Yeah, let's try to get up and skate while I'm here, man. And I definitely want to get you on the podcast, too, if you're down. Oh, definitely. And uh, I live in Plainville, which is outside Boston a little bit, but we also have um, Skater's Edge, huge indoor skate park here. I know all the spots to skate, so... I know a bunch of fun parks we can go shred if you're free. So for sure. Oh, dude. Hell yeah. Let's definitely get up. Let's do it. Chatter boys. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. All right, Clyde. Well, well, thanks, man. I appreciate everything. Keep killing it, my G. All right, brother. I appreciate you. You have a beautiful afternoon. All right. <laughs>